Well, uh, like I said, I am dealing with a bit of a cold, so sorry if my voice doesn't, uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's there, but we'll deal with it. And so uh, God will help us get through this, and this is going to be fun um, to end up our, uh, to end our sermon series that we've been calling I Am Waiting, and uh, just be, been talking about waiting on God. We've been looking at the Christmas story and just kind of diving into that a little bit, looking at some of the different characters in this story and how their lives can apply to our lives and what we can pull and draw from those stories. And so uh, the day after Christmas, we are going to finish this and wrap it up and look at it a little bit more and uh, walk away encouraged. And then we'll come back together on the second, and that's going to be our sharing service. And uh, then we're going to have a couple services that are going to be kind of standalone. And then on the 30th of January... That is our anniversary weekend. That's the weekend that we started City Life in Newport News, which will be 10 years ago um, this weekend. Um, that is the weekend that we launched this campus um, a couple of years ago. And then uh, this will be also the weekend that we launched the Suffolk campus. So we'll have all three campuses right around the same time uh, celebrating for the first time at their each you know, prospective campuses. So that's going to be awesome. We're going to have a lot of fun that service. We have a lot of great stuff. And we're going to be kicking off a, good, uh, a new series called The Good News That Weekend. And so that's kind of what we're going to be doing and what's going to be happening. So a little glimpse into the future. So for tonight, wrapping up Christmas, how many of you guys had a good Christmas? How many had an awesome Christmas? That's what I'm talking about. Uh, man, we had a blast, and I know many of you did too, just uh, looking at Facebook and seeing all the pictures and the smiles and the laughs and, and all that fun stuff. I know Christmas for many people were just, uh, was just incredible, and so uh, I heard some of your stories and seen some of your presents, which Dan, by the way, kudos to you, dude. You rocked it, I think, um, on the husband present this year, so that's pretty awesome. But um, so, uh, yeah, it's just, you know, Christmas is such a fun day. It's such a fun season. Um, you know, in our house, we try to draw out Christmas as long as we possibly can and uh, we just love the Christmas season we love just all the traditions that are in there just all the opportunities that we have you know just to celebrate family celebrate friends and celebrate God and who he is and his goodness and so uh, it's been a lot of fun for us uh, one of the things we did this different this year I don't know about you how many of you you've done uh, the majority of your shopping on Amazon right or, or online just of any kind all right so that, yeah, this year that was for us. That was a whole new thing. I mean, usually we're the family that's like Christmas Eve out at Walmart, you know, buying the stocking stuffers and you're just buying junk just to put something in there. You know, like this year we were done with our shopping stockings and everything a whole week before Christmas. Like that was a whole new thing for us. It was multiple, the majority of the kids' presents, we don't give them a ton of stuff for the majority of their presents. It was there and like ready and set go like three weeks before. And so our kids had a whole new level of torture this year of staring underneath the tree for multiple weeks, just saying, what is it? What is that, you know? And, the, you know, they're like, I want to pick it up and shake it. And Michelle's like, don't you dare. If you pick it up and shake it, it's going in the trash, you know? And so she's just, bam, you know, laying down the law. And the kids are like, I want to know what it is. And, and Brayden, uh, Brayden, he's my 10-year-old son, and he's been super excited about this Christmas because he's asked us, he's asked Nina and Pops, my parents, you know, for specific presents. And so he knew, like, hey, that's all I asked for, so that's what I'm getting this year, right? And so he asked us for a telescope. He really wanted a telescope, and so um, he was just dead set on getting this thing, and he loves, loves space. He loves the stars. Um, he loves stars so much that he shattered my own iPhone one night because he was looking at stars instead of walking. But anyway, 
anyway, so he just loves space and he loves the stars. He loves learning about the planets. I mean, he goes to the library and gets books and reads about them. And he knows all these crazy facts about the stars and the planets. And so he wanted a telescope. So we got him his telescope on Amazon and we got it sent. We wrapped it right away and put it underneath the tree. And literally like for two weeks, he's like, that's my telescope. That's my telescope. That's my telescope. And we were just like, Maybe it's not. You don't know, right? And he's like, well, what else would it be? Look at the size of the box and all this different stuff, you know. And we're like, surely at some point he's probably picked it up, you know. And so, you know, because he kind of made a reference to the weight and stuff like that. And we were just like, you're not supposed to pick him up. And he's just like, I'm just saying, like, what else could it be? You know, we're like, maybe it's a giant teddy bear. He's like, no, it's not a teddy bear. You wouldn't do that to me. And I'm like, really? Would we? You know? And so he's like, you know, just kept saying this. And so, like, it was like a week out. And he just kept saying it. And so finally I was like, I'm, you know what? I was like, we need to find another box exactly the same shape, right? And we need to wrap it exactly the same way. And we need to take one of his small, ridiculous presents and just put that in there and just fill it up with something that weighs it down so that if he did pick it up, he knows. So that's what we did. So for the last week, he's been sitting there like, that's my telescope. That's my telescope. We're like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's a bunch of can of green beans and a baseball glove, you know? And so <laughs> he's like, he's just sitting there and he's just like, that's my telescope. That's my telescope. And so finally Christmas came. And, and so me and Michelle, like, I mean, we're just, we're kind of cruel parents. I'm not going to lie about it, right? And so we're sitting there, like, it was awesome. So I got to tell you, <laughs> so we tell our kids, like, Hey, we're not going to open presents till 9 o'clock, right? Mom and dad, it's a day off. We're going to sleep in. And so 9 o'clock, that's when you open up presents. So just to make sure that they didn't get a little, you know, go down there and kind of sneak into some stuff or whatever else, the hallway going down to the stairs, we lined it with wrapping paper. So they couldn't even go down the stairs. It was awesome. And put a big note on there, if it's broken, you're in trouble. It was awesome. So anyway, so <laughs> we were having fun torturing our kids. And so then we get down there, and we've been looking forward to this moment for a whole week. Like, dude, what is Braden going to do when he opens this thing up, expecting to see a telescope, and he opens up and just sees a bunch of cans of green beans and then a baseball glove. And so we're sitting there, and we're just like, you know what? He's either going to, A, he's going to just throw a fit, right? He's going to just be a brat about this whole thing, and we're going to have to, like, lead him through it, and we're going to have to talk, and he's going to get disciplined and all that fun stuff, but not harshly because we're the ones that did the whole moment. And so, but we'll have to lead him through it, you know, and all this different stuff, and we'll see. And then it's going to be awesome to have that video in 10 years, you know, when he's 20 years old, showing that to his fiance or girlfriend or whatever else. It's going to be awesome. So we're like, I hope he breaks down in a fit just a little bit. Is that awful? Yeah. Okay. All right. Whatever. So, so, you know, that's what we're hoping for. And we're just kind of like waiting for that moment. And, you know, or he's just going to be completely cool about it, you know, and just kind of like, oh, whatever else. He did the ladder. We were so proud of him. Like he opened it up and he just looked in there and he's like, why is there green beans in here? You know, and we're like, I don't know, keep looking. So he looks and he goes, oh, a baseball glove. Cool. And he just kind of whatever, and he just sets it down. And then he goes, what did you get, baby girl? That's what he calls his sister, right? And he's like, so what did you get, baby girl? And just moved on. It was, and we were just like, yes, we are doing okay at parenting. Yay. You know, and so we're just sitting there and we're just so excited for him and we're going to draw it out. And so I'm like, Michelle, go get it. Go get it. I feel so bad for him right now. So she runs upstairs and she comes down with a book, the instruction manual for the telescope, not the telescope. So he opens it up and he's just like, what's this? And it's, a, it's not even an instruction manual. It's a book about finding uh, stars in the sky. And he's like, oh, but I don't have a telescope to find them. And we just sit there, we're like, yes, you do. And then he goes, oh, it was such an awesome moment. It was so much fun. 
Oh, man. But I couldn't help but just even think in that moment as we just were watching that, anticipating it, and looking forward to that moment, that that's what this Christmas story is about for you and me. That even in the moment when Christ entered this world, that's exactly what was taking place. Is that people, you and me in our lives, we have these things, we have these expectations, we have this reality that we believe that is there, and we know what we're looking for, we know what we're hoping for, we know what we need, we know what, what in our situations, whether it's needs of provisions, or it's in, we know what it is that we need. And, and we're looking for that, and we're hoping for that, and we're waiting for it. And then sometimes we open it up, and it's not what we think. It's just a can of green beans. And sometimes in the Christmas story, what happens is, is we gloss over the nitty-gritty reality of the story. Because we look at it, and we say, wow, it's so beautiful. And we think about the manger scenes, and we think about all the nativity scenes, and the plays that we've seen at church. And we think about all of those things, and we say, that's what I need. I need that Ah, angel in the sky moment. I need to feel that. I need to see that. And then we forget the reality of what was actually happening in that story. And so in those moments, sometimes we even, in our own lives, in our own things, we come to God and we're like, God, here's what I need and here's what I want. And then we find something so much different. And so tonight, I wanted us to finish up looking at the story and looking at the things that are happening in these different people's lives and and to see what's going on so that we can ourselves in moments where we're just absolutely convinced of what it is that we need. When we absolutely know exactly what it is that God's supposed to give us or somebody else is supposed to give us or what situation needs to change so that we can be provided for better or, or so that things can just turn around our own lives. When, when we know exactly what it is, when we're absolutely convinced but we see that it's something different, that we can be encouraged to know that God is at work, that God cares for us, and that he's here in our situations. So as we look at this, I'm going to pray first because um, I'm going to pray for my throat one more time. And then uh, just pray that the Holy Spirit be with us. But as we do this, I want you to pull back what you think of the Christmas story, all the things that have been in your mind of the Christmas story. I want you to pull those things back a little bit, and I just want you to say, God, speak to me as we look into the situation, realizing that it was real people and that you jumped into a real situation and that you changed eternity in that moment. So, Father, we pray as we continue just to look into your word and have you speak to us. Father, we pray that you just encourage us tonight, that you speak to us through your word, that you help us to know that you're with us, that you are God with us, that you're a God who came and changed eternity and changed our situations through the birth of a baby. Father, we thank you for that. We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, and be with my throat. Amen. So, so the Christmas story. So we, we know the, the basics. Uh, hopefully you do. Maybe you don't. But we, So the Christmas story. You got Mary. You got Joseph. And then you've got this baby that Mary's pregnant with. And then they go to Bethlehem. And there they find themselves not having a place to go and stay. And so they end up in a manger. And that is where the baby's born. Then we know about the shepherds. We know about the wise men. So we've got all of this. And we talked about last week, we talked about Herod. And we talked about the people of Jerusalem. We talked about all these different situations. One of the things that can happen is, is that just in our tendency as human beings, and especially in our tendency in the Western church, is, is that we can pull out the details that seem the prettiest and seem the greatest, and, and we kind of can miss some of the realities that are actually taking place. So I mean, it all worked into the story of Christ coming to earth is Mary and Joseph engaged. 
And Joseph finding out that Mary is pregnant with a child. And Joseph saying, I'm going to leave her and I'm going to walk away. You've got Mary's, you've got Mary's cousin Elizabeth who's older and she's past the point of bearing children. And her and Zechariah believed that God was going to give them a child. And you see this, this just the gut-wrenching reality for them of, of infertility. And you see them dealing and struggling with all of the things that are happening there, but still trusting God, but yet still no doubt feeling the pain and, and the discouragement of what was taking place. We, we see the shepherds, and we see them in the story. And in this story, you know, in that time we think shepherds, and we think how cool is that they were out there. But the shepherds themselves, shepherds were looked down upon. Shepherds were not a, a, a welcomed part of society. People didn't look up to shepherds. You didn't say, oh, I want to grow up to be a shepherd. People looked down on the shepherds. They were kind of the outcasts of society. They had to deal with the stuff that nobody else wanted to deal with. They were just dealing with the, 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 the you know, aspects of life and, and, and things that get us the things that we need, but we don't want to know how. We don't know what takes place, and we, we don't want to care about So shepherds were looked down upon, and so we see in this moment God coming to the shepherds and speaking to them first, and we like, wow, that's so cool. He spoke to the shepherds, but think about where the shepherds were in that moment in culture, that they were feeling outcasted. They were feeling looked down upon. They were in their life, in their situation. They're in the midst of something where they're just saying, hey, this is the life that we have. This is what we're doing, but they had dreams. They had ideas. They had wonderings of what life would be like. They had this mentality of just like, hey, you need, look at me, we're helping you out. You know, all those moments where we just feel like, you know what, I'm on the outside, I'm not being recognized, I'm not, they had all of those things possibly going on in their hearts. We had the wise men in this situation where the wise men come into the story and, and they walk into the situation and they had left their kingdom. They left their place where they were dignitaries and they were known and they were wealthy and they left and came to a foreign kingdom. And in walking into this, they know that the king's a little bit crazy and they know that things are kind of not necessarily sane. And so they walk in and they start looking for this new king and there's all of these issues and all of these things that are taking place in their life. All of this stuff is happening. You see the Jerusalem people, they've been waiting now for hundreds of years for God to come through on his promises. They'd been waiting and waiting and waiting and some of them had given up on their waiting for God to do what he said he was going to do. The Jerusalem people had started adopting foreign customs and different uh, religions and all of these different things. The, the Roman Empire had settled there and, and conquered them in 63 BC. And so they're there and now they're under rule of another foreign kingdom, but they're supposed to be the kingdom. They're supposed to be the one that the entire world's looking at, but they're there having this crazy guy named Herod rule them and reign them and telling them what to do and taxing them like crazy. That's their situation. So all of this is happening. All of this is the reality of the story. And so if we look at it and just say, wow, Jesus came in and there was angels and yeah, he was in a manger, but we've maybe made the mangers pretty now, you know, and, and all of this stuff is happening. We forget that there was a real situation where desperate, hopeless people were. That in the midst of their mess, when they were talking about whether or not God was actually going to come through, whether or not God was actually going to do what he said he was going to do. In this moment where there was confusion and there was frustration because things that they felt like were promised to them weren't coming true or things that they wanted, whether it was a baby in Zechariah and Elizabeth's life and they're not getting that baby or whether it was Mary and Joseph going through this turmoil of like, oh, um, you're pregnant? How did that happen? You know what I'm saying? And it took an angel coming out of the sky because, come on, guys, that's what it would take, right? An angel coming out of the sky to be like, okay, she's telling the truth. I mean, there's these real things. That are, there's doubts. There's insecurities. There's questions. 
questions, there's frustrations. All of these things are happening and that is the place in which Jesus comes. That's the place that God sends the hope of the world in the form of a baby is in the midst of that situation, in the midst of all that is happening, in the midst of all of that turmoil. And one of the encouraging things about that is, is that no matter where you are, no matter what is going on in your life, no matter what's taking place in your life, no matter where you find yourself, no matter how much you've doubted God, no matter how much you've disbelieved God, no, how, no matter how far you've run from God, that no matter where you are in the midst of your situation, when you look to him, God will show up and he will provide you the hope that you need in Jesus Christ. So here's a couple things that I just wanted us to pull from this story as we look at these different people's lives. Because I know in each one of our situations, we find ourselves waiting. We find ourselves waiting for God to come through. We're waiting for the next job. We're waiting for the next opportunity. We're waiting for the next birthday for our kids to grow up a little bit and hopefully find some maturity. We're waiting for, what are we waiting for? We're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. And in the midst of our waiting, we can find ourselves discouraged. We can find ourselves broken. We can find ourselves hopeless. We can find ourselves lost. We can find ourselves wondering where God is. And just getting a little bit of a context of each one of these people's lives and where they are and what's happening in their situations and how Jesus comes into the midst of that can encourage you and I to know that God is never far, that he is always there with us, and he's ready to provide us hope when we're ready to look to him. And so tonight we're going to be in John, so you can go ahead and turn to John chapter 1. And as you do that, or as you wait for me to get ready to read it, because you're not going to open your Bible, we can look at this story and to see that there's this realness to the story. There's a rawness to the story that we can just gloss over sometimes. And I just, I, I want to try to make this point one more time because I know where we can get as humans. I know where I can get into this place where we just look at ourselves and we just say, man, I'm so broken and I'm so far from God and things are so jacked up. God can never come into my situation. God can never care. God can never change things. He can never make anything new. And I'm just trying to say the story of his birth. Look at the people, look at their situations. It was just as real as yours. It was just as painful as yours. It was just as lost and messed up as yours. And God came in the midst of that and changed all of eternity. And so one of the things that I want us to pull away tonight is from these stories and from these different individuals is that God didn't send his son so that our wants and desires could be met. But he sent his son so that his wants and desires can be realized in our lives. See, God didn't send Jesus so that everything could just be made perfect and so that the shepherds can be like, sweet, now we're the noblest of people. And, oh, Mary and Joseph, like, here's everything. And you know what? We're going to send Jesus in your life and everything's going to be perfect. And you're going to be known and you're going to be wealthy and you're going to be rich and you're not going to have any issues. I mean, you see Jesus come into Mary and Joseph's life. And from the moment Mary is pregnant with Jesus, she's possibly going to lose her fiancé. And then all of a sudden now her fiance is like, no, I'm going to stay with you. But their marriage is put on hold and all of these things. And there's questions and there's doubts. And you know there's conversations. Come on, let's talk about this, right? A community, a small community. You talk about Bethlehem. There was no more than 15, maybe 1,300 people that lived in Bethlehem. They had no TV. They had no Facebook. They had nothing to entertain themselves with except for the story about Mary. I mean, people are talking. 
She can't go to the, to the grocery store. She can't go to the market without somebody looking at her and just being like, they're not pre- she's pregnant and they're not married. I mean, you got all of the stuff that's going on in each one of their lives. God did not send Jesus so that all of our wants and desires could be met. He sent Jesus so that his wants and desires could be realized in our lives. And that's an encouraging thing. That's a wonderful thing because no matter how messed up our life is, no matter how broken it is, that we can find hope in a moment where we're just like, I just want to be happy. I want to be done with the situation. I want it to be over with. I just want to be able just to, to breathe and not feel the weight of the situation anymore. That maybe we don't find happiness in that moment, but in that moment we can know that we can know joy and that we can find comfort and we can find peace and we can find security. We look at all of these things and we can see in the midst of all of this stuff that God is good and that he is working something out. And I just want to encourage you tonight that God is good and he is working something out in your life. Whatever your situation is, whatever's taking place, God is working something out and he's doing something bigger than you can even imagine. The situations of your life, they could be there because you made bad choices. But even though you made bad choices and you made a bonehead move or somebody did something to you and it wasn't even your fault, God can work through that and God is working in that situation. You look at um, the shepherds and their situation. They're sitting there, they're low, they feel outcast and they feel like that, that, that you know, they're, they're just kind of on the outskirts of society. What can we do? What can we bring to the table? God uses them to be the first ones to declare to the world that Jesus has come. God uses them in their situation. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what you feel like you've done or you haven't done. It doesn't matter what you feel like you have or you don't have. If God wants to use you and God wants to speak through you, he's going to do it. You can be encouraged by that and you can believe that God is there with you. Don't look at your situation as one that is hopeless. Look at your situation and say, this is where God has me. What can I do in this situation? What can I speak in this moment? How can I bring Jesus and bring hope to the world in this moment? I didn't ask him, but I'm Dan, he's in the middle of a situation right now where Dan is being used by God to bring hope into somebody's life. He's helping to possibly save a marriage. Dan is all this, I mean, he was not expected to be deployed. He was just deployed not that long ago, and now he's having to go back out. And he's looking at his situation. He responded. He said, you know what? I believe that God orchestrated this so I could be a part of this guy's life. Dan looked at it not as a discouragement to be broken and to say, man, why do I have to go away again? But he looked at it and said, look what God can use me to do in somebody else's life. When we have that type of perspective, when we have that type of attitude, when we say, God's not worried. He, he is worried. He cares about my happiness. He cares about my wants. He cares about my desires. But he didn't come just to make those a reality because they're not enough. They're never going to be enough. They're never going to give me what I want. They're never going to be able to help me to feel fulfilled and encouraged and excited. But God is enough. He is everything that I need. Just like we sang tonight, he is good and he's everything that we need and we only want more and more of him. And when we have that perspective, when we have that, that, that mindset, we put ourselves in that place, it doesn't matter where we are, it doesn't matter what we're doing, it doesn't matter what we don't have, we can look at it and say, God wants to do something through me. And I'm just telling you, wherever you are, God wants to use you to declare his glory and his goodness to this world. Don't look down on your situation. See that God is active and he's present with you. That he wants to do something through you and he wants to do something in you. And see his goodness in that situation. 
You can look at different people in the story. You can look at Simeon and Anna. We talked about them in the, in the first week of the series. And Simeon and Anna, you know, when I think about them, I think about Joan and Luke, you know. And I think about, you know, um, other old people like my parents, you know. And I'll throw them in that Luke too, you know. Like, you know, you can just, hey, you get into that situation and you can say, you know, like, you're, you're, you're sitting there like, hey, our days of influence have passed us. Our days of, uh, uh, you know, what are we going to do, you know? And uh, you got some young guy, you know, up there talking. And we got a bunch of young people in the church. And you know what? What do we have to offer? God used Simeon and Anna to speak words of encouragement into Mary and Joseph's lives that kept them. You read through scripture in moments when Mary was doubting. In moments when Mary, Mary was discouraged. She remembered all of the things that had been said to her. Anna and Simeon, they were speaking of who Jesus was and declaring of who he was. You never know, whether you're young or whether you're old, the words of encouragement that you can bring into somebody's life. When you're in the midst of a situation, Simeon, he's sitting there waiting for his death. He knew, he said, hey, when I see this baby, I'm gonna be dead. I'm gonna be gone. I'm gonna be out of here. Maybe it was instant. Maybe it wasn't. It probably wasn't because that would be kind of weird. But in that moment, he was waiting. He was waiting to see Jesus. He was waiting to see the promised Messiah. And he knew that when he was done seeing that, that his time on earth was done. He didn't give up. He didn't just wait just impatiently. He wasn't discouraged in it. He didn't look at that moment with fear. He said, what can I do? And how can my words bring life? How can my attitude bring life? How can I be used to proclaim who God is and the reality that God is with us? No matter what your situation is and no matter what's taking place in your situation, God wants to reveal his desires and his wants in your life. And as he's doing that, he wants others to begin to see how good he is, how powerful he is, and how wonderful he is. No matter where you are in your situation, when you think about the story of Christ's birth, it's beautiful. It's fun. We celebrate it in all kinds of awesome ways. We have cherished traditions in, in our culture, and we do all kinds of fun things with family. But never forget that this is a story about a God who came into the midst of people's brokenness and mess and expressed his love to them through the birth of his son. And in doing so, he didn't just change their world. He changed all of eternity. And he gave us the ability to discover and to know hope, joy, and peace. No matter where you are, you can see in your situation that God is wanting to do something in you, and he's wanting to do something through you. Be open to it. Be receptive to it. Be ready to be used by God and encouraged to do what he calls you to do. In John chapter 1, John chapter 1, I love John. John's one of my favorite disciples just because he just calls him John the one that Jesus loved he just calls himself yeah I was the best I was his favorite and John goes through and he writes his gospel with a different perspective and I love this John is writing this some 80 years after Jesus's birth and so John now is an older person he's writing this and he's had multiple experiences John has spent his time taking care of Jesus's mother Mary and so John's heard the story of the birth multiple times they've rehashed it they've talked about it John's seen the miracles. John's seen all of these things take place with his own eyes. He's seen Jesus died. He's seen Jesus resurrected. John is, is, is just in love with Jesus. John himself, he begins this scripture off, and he writes in John. I'm going to go ahead and read it because it's just so good. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word, this is what I want you to pay attention to, verse 4. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The message translation puts it this way. What came into existence was life, and the life was light to live by. Listen, when Jesus comes into your situation, he is a light to live by. He guides you. He is life. Even in a situation that you feel is hopeless and lost, it feels confusing. I mean, can you imagine Mary and Joseph just being like, wow, we were just told that we are going to be the parents of this Messiah we've been waiting for. How awesome is this? And then before you know it, they're running for their lives. They're hiding in a foreign country as, as illegal aliens, hanging out, fighting for their lives, waiting for a king to die. That's their situation when Jesus comes in and they're just like, um, this is not what I expected. I was looking for something different. I was looking for a different reality. But even in that, God kept them and he remained faithful to them. They trusted him. They believed in him. And they said, God, we're going to let you lead us. We're going to let you guide us. We're going to let you direct us. And they are a part of the story that changed the world. Because they were receptive. They were open. And they were willing to say, God, you were in control. Mary, her influence in the church and her influence in the apostles as they were starting the church was massive because she was like, this is who God is and this is what God did. Yeah, times were tough and times were different, but in those moments, those when are the moments that we knew that God was in control. Because the second thing I want you to see tonight here tonight is, is that faith grows in the most difficult experiences, not in the easiest. Our faith grows in the most difficult of experiences, not in the easiest. A lot of times during the Christmas season, we look for the easy, right? Because some of us, we don't have to work as much. Maybe we have a couple days off or things a little bit different or, you know what, even still our culture, it closes down, you know? And so even if you wanted to go to the store or the gas station, you can't because it's closed. And so we get a little bit of, uh, of a break from the rush of society. And it's a little bit easy and we kind of have a mindset this time. The year's ending, we're getting ready to start another year and we just kind of, ah, Let's just let things get easy. Let's look for the easy. But then all of a sudden, January 1 comes, right? And we gotta go make good on a promise and we gotta go work out. We gotta make good on a promise and we gotta stop eating sugar. You know, we gotta make good and we gotta go start being nice to our boss and we gotta start talking to that sibling that we haven't talked to in years. And we realize, man, life is tough. Man, this reality that's here in front of me, the bills haven't gone away. The pain hasn't disappeared. The sickness is still here. In the moments when it seems the most difficult, in the moments when it seems the most confusing, in the moments when you feel like God may be the farthest and you're not sure as to what God is doing, those are the moments when our faith grows the most. Look forward to those moments. Hold faith in those moments. Trust in those moments that God is at work and that he's orchestrating all things for your good and for his glory. In verse 5 of John chapter 1, it says this, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Listen, when you have hope in Jesus, when you look to him and you trust in him and have faith in him, your days cannot get dark enough to take away the faith and hope and joy that is found in him. Your days cannot get dark enough to end your life and ruin your life. And even if it does end your life, it doesn't take eternity away. That his love is so great and his grace is so big and his love for you is so real and it's so present that nothing can 
take it out. Nothing can extinguish it. Nothing can remove it. Hold strong and have faith. This moment is difficult. This moment is impossible. This moment is not fun. I'm not cherishing this situation. In that moment, your faith is going to grow because you know and you believe that God is at work and nothing can stop his plans and purposes for you. He is working through you and he's going to work in you. He has something he wants you to know and he has something he wants you to show. Trust and have faith that nothing can take that away. Nothing can stop it. His plans for you will prevail. His purposes for you will become a reality. You will see it and you will know his goodness and all that you do. Nothing can take away who he is and what he wants you to know in this life. So, as we get to this place and say, great, have faith, great, have, have hope that no matter what our situation is, that God's at work. Okay, when it's difficult, believe that he's there and believe that nothing can take it out. How, how do I manage that? How, how, do I, how do I, like, work that out? How, how do I, how, I mean, like, how does that become a reality in my life? Like, I know it's good to say it up there on the microphone and I could say yes right now, but, like, in the reality of it, when it's at its worst when it hurts the most, when things are just, just awful and you just want to crawl up in bed and cry, you can't even binge on Netflix anymore. You're just done. You just, you just want it all to go away. In that moment, what do you do? How do you hold on in that moment? How do you know that God is good and that he's in control? You look and you remember the things that he has done. So we read earlier in Psalm 145, we remember that he is good and that everything he does is righteous. Everything he does is good. Everything he does is holy. And that he's working all things out for our good and for his glory. We hold tight to the things that he has done. We remember them. We keep them locked up in our hearts. We talk about them. It's one of the things why we talk about life groups being so important. Because when we come to life groups, you know, and if you've got a decent life group leader, at some point they're going to push you to say, hey, here's what God's done and here's what God is doing. And, and when we hear what God is doing and celebrate that in other people's lives, we say, wow, God is active and he, has a, he is at work. He is making things happen. John, this guy who John, who he, he's one of the only who did not die a martyr's death, but he lived a martyr's life. And John, he died of natural causes, but he was uh, put away on an island. And he was, you know, there on this island that was just horrible circumstances and, and just, uh, just atrocious uh, an environment where John was there. And in that place, it was where he wrote the book of Revelations. But even all through his life and all of the persecution that he faced, he never lost hope in who Jesus was. He never lost hope in the excitement of all that he saw God do and all that he saw God work out. And so what I'm trying to tell you tonight is, is to do this. In moments when it seems the hardest, in moments when it seems the difficultest, remember that those are the places where your faith is going to grow the most. And hold true to that. Believe that. Hold true to the fact that God is with you and he's not going to leave you. No one can take him away. No one can distinguish it. You yourself, you cannot run far enough. You cannot push hard enough. God is always going to be there with you and trust that he is there with you. And no matter what your situation is, whether you got it yourself there or not, whether somebody else forced it to happen on you, whether it's just a reality that you're just done with, whether you're waiting for something and you don't know when it's going to become, 
come into fruition, whatever the situation is, remember that God is at work and he wants to do something through you and he wants to do something in you. And here's how you do that. Here's how you hold on to those things. Here's how you believe that, is that you begin to see. In those months, like I was talking about, you remember. Remember who God is. You remember how great his love is. Remember the story of these people, Mary and Joseph, and the incredible, miraculous lives they lived. Look at John. Look at the, the apostles. Look at the church exploding from 12 people to 30 people all the way into what it is today. Remember that God is at work, and he loves you deeply. He cares for you deeply. And listen, the deeper you understand his love for you, the, the deeper you work that into your hearts, the deeper you work that into your minds, the more you remind yourself. The more you put on the worship music instead of a TV show and you worship him at home, the more you dive into his word just because you want God to speak to you, not because you gotta get your, 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 your disciplines done, you know, but you want God to speak to you because you love him and you just, you need more of him. In those moments when you work into your heart and your mind how deep his love is for you and you begin to understand that the more you'll see his activity in your life. In John chapter one and verse 16, John's just going on this rant of how good God is and who he is and all that he's doing. And in verse 16, he says this, from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. He says, man, God's so good. And every single day, he gives us everything that we need and he gives us so much more. Man, God is so good that he sent his son, that he showed us that he's God with us, that we're not out here just floating in space on our own, but that he's God with us and he's here every single day encouraging us and he's doing things in us and he's left us to do work for him, that he's called us to be a part of his plan of all eternity, that God's wanting me to be a part of what he's doing so that people can know him. Wow, he's so good. Every single day he gives us more and more and more. That's who God is. He's loving, he's generous, he's a abundant he's rich he's amazing in verse 17 for the law was given through Moses but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ no one has ever seen God but the unique one who is himself God speaking of Jesus is near to the father's heart and he's revealed God to us the deeper your understanding of God's love the more you'll see God at work in your life. You work his love into your life by remembering that he is faithful, that he is good, and that no matter how bad it hurts, no matter how bad you want to run, no matter what it seems like, he is there and he's working. He's working in you. He's working through you. He has something that he wants to do. He has something that he wants to speak that maybe he's put you in that situation. In that very moment, so that you and only you can change the history of some family's life. Maybe he put you in a situation so that you could speak grace into somebody's life and help them to see that God is present. And they turn their lives to God. And then that person ends up turning thousands of people's lives to Christ. You don't know what God's doing. Don't reject the moment. Trust him in the moment. Believe that he is there with you. Believe that he is faithful and that he is good. Remember how good he is. Remember how abundantly good he is. And remember that he is near and close to God. That right now, Jesus, as our priest, is sitting next to God on his right hand, and he is interceding for you and I. He knows your situation. 
He knows the things that you've gone through. He knows the hurts, the pains, the frustrations. He's been there and he's done that and he's overcome every single one of them. He's defeated everything that could ever take you out. You have nothing but victory and hope to stand in. Stand strong and believe he is near to the Father. Right now he is close to the Father, interceding on your behalf. He's not given up on you. He's come to you in the worst of your situations, in the midst of your biggest mess. He came and invaded your world, and he gave you hope and life and eternity, and he's guiding you in all of your situations through his Holy Spirit, and even now Jesus himself is interceding, saying, listen, Watch them. Look what they're doing. Man, look what, look what we're doing through their hearts. Look what we're doing through their lives. Look at the faith that they have. Look at the strength that they have. Come on. And he's cheering you on next to the creator of the universe. And I love this last part. That Jesus himself has revealed God to us. In his birth, later on in John, I believe it's in chapter 8, Jesus himself says that while I'm here, I am the light to the world, that while he was here, people physically saw him with their eyes. I went into painstaking lengths last week to talk about the history of Herod and all of those things, and I did it last week, one, because I love history, and, and for all of you that don't, and you're like, I wish you would stop. So there was somebody here last week that was super uncomfortable. They were like, man, I, I'm not really... You know, like, I don't enjoy meeting new people and all this different stuff. And they're like, I had 14 people shake my hand, which kudos to you for being a friendly church. That's awesome, right? And he's like, I had 14 people shake my hand. He's like, I was a little bit nervous, a little bit worked up. He said, but the moment you started talking about history, he goes, man, I'm just he goes, my favorite period of history is the Roman Empire. And it's not the Julius Caesar. It's where you started. He goes, it's like God was speaking to me and letting me know, wow, God, you know me and you know the things that I'm passionate about. He goes, I, I just thank you so much for allowing me to see God in a whole new way. God's working, right? God's doing something, right? He's revealing himself. He's showing himself. And I went through that point to show Herod and, and the reality of who he was because Herod, he is the most documented king that we have any historical references and actual artifacts on. Herod, we have more things that we know about Herod than we do about Julius Caesar. There are more things that we know about Herod because of the writings of Josephus and all these things. Jesus was born into a real situation and into real people's lives. It's not some mythical story that happened. It's not some just idea, oh yeah, Jesus was born at some point. It really happened and Jesus changed history in a moment by coming to this world as a human being, stepping into skin and leaving back all of his deity and saying, I'm going to come into this world so that they can have hope and life everlasting. And in that moment, he revealed God to us. And still today, he's revealing God to us. Listen, look to the reality that God came into the world as a baby, and he lived the life that you and I could not live, and he died the death that we deserved so that we could have the life that was promised to him forevermore. That is the reality, that is the gospel, that is the truth of who Jesus is, and that is the story that we celebrate in his birth, that he is a good God, he's a loving God, who no matter who we are, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, he is present, he is there, he is working, and he only wants to do more in us and through us. He wants to strengthen us, he wants to encourage us, he wants us to know that he's standing right there and he wants to reveal to us every single day who he is and what he's doing. Even if it doesn't make sense, he's at work. Hold it true, believe it, have faith in it. Steph, if you don't mind coming up, you and Ryan, and 
Whatever song you want to sing, have at it. I just want you to hear and I just want you to know. The Christmas story, we can like, yeah, it was so cool. We went to church, we had our traditions, and yeah, we had our family traditions and we had our moments. And sometimes we can just feel so distant from it. Because we look at those people and just say, well, Mary and Joseph, they were so beautiful and they were selected by God. They had pains and they had hurts. The situation they found themselves in and that Jesus came into was one of the darkest times of the nation. It was one of the darkest times of the world. There was oppression, there was pain, there was frustration everywhere you looked. And Jesus came into the midst of that to bring hope and joy. You're not too far. You haven't run too far. Even if you feel like you have given up on God, he hasn't given up on you. He wants to do something through you. He has something he wants for you to do in this world. And every single day, no matter how much you think you know God, there's more to know of him. There's more of his love to be discovered. And the deeper you run into his love, the more you will see his activity in your lives. And the more you see his activity, the more you want to tell of his goodness the more you want to share and express his love to everyone around you. So as we get ready to step into 2016, as we move past the Christmas season of 2015, I want you to know that God is with you, that God has a plan for you, and he has a purpose for you that is bigger than you can imagine. God has something he's doing in you right now. Even if you feel like he's gone, even if you feel like there's no way that God's working through this, there's no way. Even if you feel like my time is gone, it's past, I'll hope for somebody else. That dream is gone, that dream is dead. Man, that situation, it's irreparable. God is at work. And he has a plan for you, and he has a purpose for you. Believe and see that he is at work. And hold true to his unfailing love and his faithfulness. Will you stand with me and will you sing?